Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us now on the Above180.com podcast is USBC Executive Director Chad Murphy. Chad was given the interim position of the Executive Director last February. June, he was named full-time director they removed the interim tag so thought it'd be great uh chad to have you on uh tim berg and emil williams want to thank you for joining me today hey thanks for having me i really appreciate it well chad i want to get your thoughts we thought we'd bring you on kind of do kind of a, a state of the union so to speak on the bowling and the state of bowling that we're going through right now so let's begin with some news that just uh, just came out over the last couple of weeks regarding the usbc and reno and how the hosting agreement was changed. Can you talk to us and kind of fill in us? What does that mean for the average bowler on the street who heads to Reno for either the men or the women's championship? Well, I think relating to Reno, it's one of those things where the average bowler will see Reno a little bit less than they have over the last four or five years. But moving forward, um, we'll be moving around the country again a little more often. Reno was was very successful in terms of a destination spot when we were on a one-in-three location, which is, uh, excuse me, one-in-three rotation, which is where we're moving back to. Um, So Reno will be uh, hosting the event in 16, but not until 20, and then 23 and 26. So we'll be able to fit in some other places, which I think our consumers will like. Reno's also making some improvements to the stadium, which... Um, will take place in between 16 and 20, and that'll be really exciting for folks to to go back and see it uh, over some time um, where some improvements will be made. We're really excited about it. We've got great partners in Reno uh, with the hotels there, the city, and the RSCBA, and, and, and really appreciate them working through the details with us. And, and, and Chad, are there any, uh, you take a look at you know the future schedule list, are there any 
um, cities that may play a role or, you know, that might be up uh, for grabs even past, you know, 2026. I know that may be looking too far ahead, but um, there's a couple to to be determined. Any any potential cities that you think uh, you know, may be in play? You know, we're open to them. Obviously, we'd like to get, you know, we're, we're, we're going to Vegas. We're going to Syracuse. We're going to Baton Rouge. We'd like to find somewhere up in the, the upper Midwest there, which would make a lot of sense. Um, we're really open to a lot of different places. We've already engaged some folks in some conversations. Obviously, you know, confidentiality agreements, we couldn't talk about it at this point, but um, we're open to go just about anywhere. And not a lot of folks know it, but the back end of the agreement was really stacked with, um, with Reno again, and that's where we're really going to see some, some new places on the schedule. Well, and Chad, I know a lot of bowlers like to – voice their concerns about going out to Reno but talk about the process for these cities like you said we don't expect you to give us some cities with the confidentiality but talk about just what this means for the cities that may be looking into this and and how the whole process begins because it takes a long time to get an agreement put into place and it takes a long time for these places to you know have the capacity to hold the bowling uh, the events and just kind of the whole process in that and what what it all entails. Well, it's a, it's a basic RFP process where we go out to market to the cities. And um, I was lucky enough to sit um, as part of the internal team that worked on the last uh, group of cities. And it's a very detailed process that our tournament groups works with the CVBs and sometimes sports commissions, um, the cities themselves, and then the local and bowling enthusiasts in that city. And I, I would tell you, you know, anybody that's interested in hosting, you know, give us a call. Um, you don't necessarily have to be hooked into your city at this point. Um, but the process is real simple. There's a bid process. They submit bids. We filter them out. Then cities will come in for individual interviews. Uh, they all happen within a couple days span. Um, there might be a, a callback for that. And then inevitably we look at the model, the location, um, all the things that, that go into it, and, and we make a selection. I will tell you one thing that will be a little bit different, you know, as we move forward than maybe in the past is, we're really looking at our business um, outside of a, a one-year cycle, if you will. A lot of the financial viability of the tournament, you know, in a given year uh, was a big piece of it in the past where we're really looking at it globally now. You know, our future and the future of these events are, are important. And so any one-year deal might, you know, not hold the same uh, pieces that are in place for a year before or after to move into a, a city that makes more sense for us. We've got to be uh, a little bit bigger thinkers outside of the box and really look at each individual location for uh, its merits that go beyond the financials um, and, and really look at how the benefits might impact the, the tournaments overall, both the Open Championships and the Women's Championships as part of it. Fantastic. And, and, and moving uh, towards you know the championships in El Paso, uh, 2015, the the PBA rule uh, changed a little bit. Uh, I know top 25 points leaders uh, at the end of this season won't be eligible, as well as those who've won a, a national title in the last couple of years. But um, essentially, adding for more PBA members to be able to compete in the tournament, do you foresee a time where you know all PBA members might be able to bowl? You know, the Open Championships, kind of similar to the Classic Division as it once was. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, it's a good question. You know, it's something that comes up every year. Uh, I've been involved with some of the discussions the last couple of years. Uh, we're certainly involved with this new top 25 rule. 
you know, years ago it was easy to delineate, you know, what, who was a PDA member and who wasn't, um, you know, with touring ones and touring tour, touring twos, but the, the area is a little more gray today, um, with the way things are, I, I would, you know, I always like to think anything's possible and, and, you know, nothing's forever, you know, where we're at today is where we're at today and we'll continue to look at it and see how it evolves in the future. I will tell you, I had a funny conversation with Tommy Jones recently where he was asking the exact same question, and my answer to him was, uh, no, there's not a situation where you'll be allowed to come in and, and tear up the brackets uh, individually. <laughs> but but there certainly are ways uh, you know, that we could look at that in the future that, that might not be the way we look at it today, and, 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 and we'll do that. And speaking of El Paso, talk about, I know it's still early, still getting a lot of people probably still registering online for the uh, men's championship in, in Reno, the Open Championships, but ballpark on, on team count so far, and what, what I guess in, in the USBC's eyes, what would be a, a good number of, of teams? Obviously, you can almost never have too many, but what would be a good number for the first year going down to this city for the men? You know, I don't know that there is a good or bad number, to be honest with you. I mean, I think the folks that choose to go to El Paso are going to have a great time. I will tell you the city is more than prepared for them to come there. Um, they've, they've really gone uh, to the links. I mean, even our opening ceremonies is going to have, you know, things in it that, that we haven't had in the past. The city's really rolling out the red carpet for our bowlers. Um, so I don't know if there's a good or bad. It's not really the way that, that we look at it. Each city, you know, has kind of a, a distinct feel and will appeal to, to different places. Um, I share this a little bit, little tidbit with you. I remember when Billings was selected a number of years ago, and I remember when it was announced. And I remember thinking to myself, "Man, what, what are we doing going to Billings?" And and then we went to Billings, and we had a great time, and it was just a a, a great experience, and one that we wouldn't have uh, maybe gotten to enjoy. And the entry count certainly wasn't as big as some of the other. Uh, venues around it but i'm glad we went there and and i think that's how we have to look at these tournaments moving forward is what we can offer the group of bowlers that that wants to go there at that time look at it from more of a consumer perspective so i don't know that it's good or bad you know from a numbers perspective but i will tell you from an experience the folks that go there are going to have a great time Matt, that's fantastic um you know from a scoring standpoint chad yeah a lot of folks sometimes assume that uh, when they see high scores from a previous year's tournament, that the next year's pattern will not be as conducive to you know, high scores. What's the process when discussing you know, a pattern for the next year's um, you know, tournament? Um, and, and does the previous year's scoring pattern uh, kind of play a role in, in what you guys decide? Yeah, it's a good question. And, it, and it's one of those, those interesting ones because I think there's some perspective that's that needs to be entered in and involved in. If you look at the tournament overall, uh, last year's tournament wasn't really all that high scoring in terms of the, the history of the event, but uh, we broke one of the you know most recognized records at the team event. We shipped uh, a mile mark or a keystone, if you will, um, going to 3,700. And so it looks and feels like the, the scoring was was a lot higher, but if you get down to the individual bowlers, it probably wasn't as high scoring. Um, the pattern for the event will be released after the 1st of May. I wouldn't really want to speculate, you know, what that might entail or what, what it might look like, but, um, you know, those things, again, are the same things. I don't think that there's any 
one solution to, to who comes and who bowls and the scoring pace that, and all that goes with that. Um, but yeah, the historical perspective is a, a piece of it, but it's, it's one piece, not the, not the deciding factor. Joining us for a quick update at what's going on over at Bowling This Month is Bowling This Month owner Bill Semsrat. Hi, Tim. Bill Semsrat here from BowlingThisMonth.com. This week, I'd like to highlight three new BTM instructional articles that I think your listeners will really enjoy. First up, we've got Canadian National Team Head Coach Tyrell Rose with an article about footwork, where he covers some important footwork details that are often overlooked by bowlers of all skill levels. Next, we've got a really interesting article from Dr. Chris Masano about how bowlers can start thinking and behaving more like athletes, which is definitely a very important topic right now as bowling continues its push to become an Olympic sport. And then finally, we've got a great new article from USBC Gold coach Joe Slowinski on how bowlers can comprehensively evaluate the state of their games, how they can set their bowling goals for 2015, and then how they can develop a training plan to help them meet their goals. For all this and more, please check out BowlingThisMonth.com. Back to you, Tim. Great stuff, Bill. Thanks, as always. All right, well, we're going to hit a few other topics with you today, Chad, as we have you on the line. Uh, talk about the PWBA and how the operations and how the planning of that is, is going and I guess if, if things are in place, I know there was, you know, for a while, you know, a while ago, there was a process for bidding for some of these events and such. But how are things going? Give us a, a PWBA update. Sure. Last stage, um, we're just, just last, very few I's and T's um, being dotted and, and crossed to uh, launch the schedule. Uh, we had a large number of centers that, was, that were interested Um Product registration is almost complete. Um, getting ready to launch the website. Uh, Jason Thomas and the team here have done a wonderful job of moving the project forward, um, and we're excited to announce a few things in the next few weeks. I uh, won't tell you it's tomorrow, but it's, it's coming soon. Um, we're in the, the final stages of center contracts, and then obviously we'll be selling memberships and taking entry fees shortly after that. So um, pretty incredible when you think about it. You know, it didn't exist several months ago, and to think that, you know, four or five months from now, we're, we're going to be rolling out and having women's champions again. It's, it's just a, an incredible piece of a better future for the sport of bowling and, a, and something that we can all be proud of. And when you think about, um, you know, not only the, the PWBA and, and giving, uh, you know, other women and female bowlers that opportunity, um, from, a, from a membership and growth standpoint a, as a whole, um, you know, how are things going in that department? Have you seen some some great increase um, in any kind of new initiatives to to uh, grow membership and uh, and get people back bowling again? Well, I think we've we've proved the last few years that you know when we get serious about it, we can we can really do some nice things. And I, I'm sure you guys are aware of the growth that we've shown in the youth area with Junior Gold and some of our tournaments. And you know, our goals now are are just to put some pieces in place that that make sense into the adult segment, you know, we've, we've got to have all the pieces of the development ladder in place um, to really, you know, have that gain steam and, and, and become a, a more growth model in the future. There's no doubt there's, there's still, you know, fewer centers today than there were at one time, but we feel like we can be successful within our sport and our industry um, in growing it into the future. Again, today is what it is, but we look at it more towards tomorrow and the future uh, for the sport. And the PWBA is a good example of that. You know, I know a lot of folks are really looking at, you know, giving the ladies that are involved today a place to, you know, show their talents. But really that decision was about tomorrow and the future. 
and the kids of today that will look uh, towards those ladies and want to be those ladies in the future. Somebody asked me recently, you know, all the efforts in the youth area, you know, when does it pay off? And my answer very simply is 25 years from now when these kids' kids are bowling in youth league and wanting to become uh, professionals, that's when it all comes together. So um, we're excited about that. Some of the other things, U.S. Opens, um, there's a lot of really cool things going on here, and it's all centered around uh, a better future for the sport. And um, just really excited about it. So, Chad, on the topic of the youth, uh, myself and Coach K. Steve Clem can do a Storm Collegiate Spotlight where we talk to youth bowlers and coaches, and um, we just had Kim Terrell uh, Kearney on a couple weeks back, too. Um, so people like that of sorts. Um, but one of the things that always kind of st- stuck with me was when we were talking to a collegiate player, he had said, what use is there for me to bowl league? I can go out and practice at the, at the center when I'd like. I bowl my weekend tournaments, and that needs to change in my book, like you said. I mean, we need to keep people. The sport participation levels are at all-time highs, but yet leagues tend to be dwindling and, and or staying flat, if anything. So what can be done to help you know, help keep those young people and show them the benefits of bowling league? Yeah, no, good, good question. It, it's really the, the secret sauce, I guess, if you will, for the future folks. Um, and the way they gravitate to what they do today, you know, isn't necessarily the same. So while we'll still have leagues that are conducted, you know, on longer seasons and sessions, um, the future is kind of a hybrid of that. We need something in between. We need more 8- and 10- and 12-week league sessions that lead to the longer season. We need someone bowling in college to want to come, you know, as they're getting into their career and, and having bowling be more accessible to them, whether it be sport bowling or, or regular league bowling, which we, we like to call bumper bowling these days, um, and the things that go with that. We really need to develop that cycle from youth leagues um, to adult leagues and, and look at it at the individual customer and their wants and their needs um, instead of in a one-size-fits-all fashion. And I think if we'll do that and really look at today's consumer trends, um, I think we'll be more successful in the future. I will tell you we also have to make it available uh, in a medium that, that makes a little more sense for today. You know, things like the new X-Bowling Stats Package and the new USBC Bowling Academy are examples of things that consumers definitely want and, and look at uh, we need it to be faster and um, and move electronically. And uh, all of those pieces are things that we're thinking about and talking about and, and really looking at the future and, and building, again, that, that better future for the sport. And, and Chad, I know you're coming up, uh, you know, kind of on your uh, one-year, uh, full-year uh, into the new position. Um, you know, kind of wanted to kind of get your thoughts on uh, what your goals were coming in um, into the year at the halfway point, and then you know if you've reached some of those goals, what you're still working on, and then kind of what you're looking forward to uh, in the second year. Yeah, you know that one's interesting because I don't know if you can really measure me on a full year because I will tell you that first three months was a a, a pretty amazing uh, ninety day window that um, uh, I, I don't even know how to how I would define that. Some folks would say drinking from a fire hose. Other would, would just talk about the absolute fire that was going on. Um, it's tough because it was such a surprise when the, the two gentlemen came in and, and asked me to be the interim. I wasn't prepared at all for that. And so it took quite a while to, to really figure out, you know, what we were supposed to be doing and what we were supposed to be thinking about and really what we've done 
is, is we took a deep rationalization of, of every piece of our business seg- segment. And the staff here uh, went through some pretty serious business planning, and we've developed some priorities um, to move the organization forward over the next three to five days. And, and I, I won't talk about them today, um, but, but we are releasing them to the marketplace uh, later this week. And it'll really lay out um, a definitive answer to the question that, that you just asked. But it's all the things that, that are needed, you know, information, technology. You know, we've got to do a better job. We don't need to be the best IT company in bowling. We need to be the best IT company in the world and, and really think about how our consumer needs are there and, and meet them in a way that makes sense. But then across the rest of our platforms as well. But but very succinctly, I've, I've defined it this way. You know, there's lots of ways for us to improve. And, and they were true a year ago. And we've started the process of improving them. Um, but it's not something that will we'll really ever end. We will continue to evolve and will improve across our entire platform and, and moving this thing forward in a more positive way than, than maybe we had done in the past. And, and it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Our staff is, is talented and motivated, and, and we're just really looking at the future together. And I'm just blessed and honored to be a part of it. So, Chad, last week we had a 900 bold again by a gentleman in Toledo, Ohio. Can you share the approval process and what goes on when you guys get, you know, you see your Facebook uh, stream and, and feed explode like like mine did that night, um, and you you see that someone's shot a nine, uh, you know, nine hundred. So what? Where do you guys go from there? What's uh, walk us through what you guys will do uh, after a, a score like that is rolled? Well, obviously it's got to be verified locally, and then it kind of rolls up nationally and. And inevitably, the process of that I don't think has changed over the years. It's, it's pretty much the same process. Um, we don't necessarily have the lane uh, inspection that we had years ago, but but uh, the information exchange still has to be there. I will tell you, I saw the video of that, and I was I was just completely in awe of the gentleman that that rolled that score. You could tell he was uh, extremely nervous. I know he bowled 800 at our championships a couple years ago. Uh, it meant a lot to him, you could tell. Um, I, I, again, I, I was just in completely in awe of it. I don't know what I would do in that situation, uh, but I like to think that, that I, I wouldn't have been as, as calm as he was in the shots that he was making. Um, it's just another one of those, um, you know, markers for our sport that's just incredible to think about. I remember when Jeremy Sonnefeld did it a number of years ago. I knew Jeremy well at the time. And, and this is just a, an, another pretty cool event that takes place uh, in a league setting that, that that gentleman, his family and friends, that league, the center, uh, will celebrate for years to, years to come. And, and, and it's just another a piece of why bowling is, is such a great experience. Sure, Chad. And, and uh, you know, on a, on a sadder note, uh, you know, we lost one of the great pioneers of and, and the sport and, and journalism and, and Chuck Pisano over the weekend. Um, if you could just share, you know, some of your thoughts on, on, uh, you know, what Chuck meant to the sport, um, you know, how he great or how great he was to the sport. Um, and if you've had any, you know, personal interaction with him over the, over the years, um, you know, what he's meant to you. Yeah. You know, that one's tough for me. Uh, you know, icons, the word that, you know, that I would choose to describe uh, Chuck, uh, John Jowdy, Dick Evans, um, you know, there's, there's just so many of those guys that, that came before us that led us to today. And uh, Mr. Pisano was a, a big piece 
founder, if you will, uh, used the word pioneer, which which I think is is a great definition. Uh, I met him years ago, um, had a great conversation with him. We were bowling a tournament out east. Uh, was my first interaction with him. Obviously, uh, didn't know him well, but but knew him, you know, tournament to tournament. Uh, back, you know, if you go back far enough, uh, he was the MC for the PBA Hall of Fame banquets. Uh, which I have enjoyed so much over the years and, and will enjoy again here in a few weeks. Uh, but, you know, it's never good to lose an icon, but it does, I will tell you, uh, really make you think about the future and how important this sport was at the time to folks like Chuck and, and the, the friendships uh, that were available of the day and the, the path uh, that, that, that he blazed for us to give us the opportunity and the responsible, the responsibility to move forward, but just a true icon in, in every way, sense, and shape of that word, and, and we'll miss him greatly. Uh, but I, I know that, that he'll be happy that we're, you know, we're really thinking about um, the future again, thanks to some of the things that he put in place for us, giving us the opportunity to do that. Well, Chad Murphy, want to thank you for joining us today, and we're going to have to have you on again. This was some great stuff, and I know one of the things that I'll, I'll get emails, and sometimes people tend to you know, maybe think that the people and the folks down in Arlington are a little bit in more of a bubble, but this was a way you can get out there to the people, help get them and get the thought process going and help them understand what, what's going on down there so they don't do that and keep those lines of communication open. So uh, on that note, if there's ever anything, you know, let me know. I'd love to do something. I'd love to see you out at Bowl Expo and such and, and say hi to you guys and, and uh, anything we can do you know, here on the website and on the podcast, we'd love to do it. Absolutely. Thanks for what you guys do. I appreciate the opportunity, but, but we really appreciate that, that you're you know, speaking the, the bowling and, and keeping it top of mind for folks. We really appreciate it, and thanks for having us on.